Welcome to Serial Podcast 9. Hello, I'm Kevin. I'm Gerard. And I'm Ryan. And this is Serial Podcast 9, Episode 6. Final episode. In theory, the final episode, if if we get tired of doing this. And I I don't know if we're running out of topics. We've covered all the big topics. I don't know. There's always stuff to talk about. I guess. <laughs> There's always something to get very upset about. What are we talking about today? Today's topic is, what would Serial 9 do? W-W-S-N-D. I guess Serial 9 is one word. Whew. We can make bracelets after and everyone can wear them. Branding. All right. I think if we're going to have this conversation just for context, uh, it'd be nice to hear a brief history of where Serial 9 came from and how we got to where we are today. All right. So is that going to be me? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't around in the beginning, so, you know. All right. So Serial 9, uh, the name comes from uh, essentially a car crew. Uh, this is a long, long time ago in the days of ICQ. A um, couple of homies and I were, you know, chit-chatting and we're like, yo, we should have like a really sick crew name. Something that sounds like illicit or kind of bad. And we're like, oh yeah, like serial, like serial killers or serial whatever. And also serial, you know, it's kind of like repeatings. And then I thought, well, what's the coolest number? Like, I don't know, this coolest single digit number. And then I was like, well, what number also like signifies things in the car world? So we thought, okay, maybe let's do nine because nine can kind of... <laughs> You know, a lot of things like a nine second car, or like 900 horsepower, or like even even something as stupid as like for serial nine, like the minimum wheel width is nine inches. We generally will never run anything narrower than nine inches. Uh, I don't know, 90 millimeters off the ground is like the absolute maximum ride height and just stuff like that. So it just was a crew name to get the serial nine sticker back then you had to have a fully built car. So there were only ever three cars that had the serial nine sticker. One was I had a Civic at the time that was like windows out, wiring out, full paint. 400 horse B series, whatever. And then there was one FD that we did. And then another Civic that was at the time, uh, NA B20 VTEC, like full build. Anyways, fast forward a bunch of years, I had my shop, uh, shop wasn't doing so well. And I wanted to make parts. I've always wanted to make parts. And I thought, well, I need a name for my parts company. And then, uh, kind of threw it back. I said, well, Hey, I already got the logo. Cool name. I want to bring it back. It like signifies something special in my life. So I started the company in about Oh, seven something like that. Um, but the name is all the way back from like 03. Uh, I started by making like Cressida parts. Uh, I made the first product I ever had was like an adapter kit for S13 suspension into an X8. So that was kind of the first thing I did. And then it went from there, subframe bushings, diff bushings. I think we did an angle kit, tension rods, you know, real small stuff. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And then anyways, fast forward a little bit more. And then uh, Kevin came into the picture at some point. I had built this Corolla that was previously a rally car, so it was like fully beat up, and I needed Gerard to come help me, like basically run all new brake lines, and he came and helped me, and then... Hold on, back um, up a bit though, we had met, like we met in kind of a funny way, because we had a shop um, on Mitchell Island at the time, Paulo from AES and I had a shop, and then Kevin and like, I think it was Matt, were drifting around on this, it was Matt, this, yeah. this island is like kind of remote like a little bit of a drifting spot maybe or like a and then so we hear these cars out drifting or whatever and at the time we had a supra that we were working on and uh paulo's like yo let's go show these guys what's up <laughs> <laughs> but the, the supra wasn't tuned or anything it literally just had a t51 or something on it and so we drove it out there and then and you I mean, needless so to say crazy. you guys weren't very impressed but like you did show up at the shop and you're like oh hey like what's up 
<laughs> Anyways, yeah. That's right, how we so met. That's how you met. Yeah. yeah. It's very sleepless in Seattle. So that's good. Uh, okay. Dude, there's a, there's a hilarious photo of me at a drift event. And like off in the background, there's this dude sitting on a fence watching it. And that, that dude is Gerard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah, one of the first times I saw Kevin drifting that the pink AE. Yeah. Uh, and that's in the previous episode where I was like, nah, 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 nah. like the, <laughs> that was that event. And were you guys friends at that point? No, we no. had never even met at that point. So it's just, oh, that's a dude with an annoying Corolla. Got it. <laughs> All right. So Kevin enters the picture. Kevin, what were you doing before Serial 9? Um, I was doing tree work. Kevin's an arborist. And cutting them down and <laughs> trimming hedges. And All right. Yeah. Well, that's great. I have some history in that as well, but... I never started making parts for Cressidas, so there's yeah, that. That's what the uh, the chainsaw handsaw <laughs> references are all about, you know? Yeah, that's where we got them. So you meet Gerard. Where is the conversation that's like, yo, we should do this together forever? That was way then, later, dude. Yeah. Like, like yeah, so how do we burn. get to the point where it's like Kevin and Gerard are the duo? That um, I think we like built we built a pair of cars together like on Gerard's driveway. Well, let's let's stop back at the Corolla store. So he had this Corolla, he was building it. And then, uh, I mean, I was just going to say, yeah. Then I was just like, yo, this stock Cressida is nearly better than like all of my Corollas. So like, why don't I just build a Cressida? And then you were like, well, I have a free one in the backyard. <laughs> so then I was like, yeah. I just like turned around and started selling all my Corolla shit. And you were like, holy shit, like you're serious. So I was like, yeah, man. Okay, so you guys build cars together. Yeah. Kevin's still just trimming the hedges. Then we moved in together. You guys still aren't fully fledged Serial 9 as we know it today. Gerard's still doing it by himself? Yeah, pretty much. Dude, I was working at a place and like running Serial 9 basically full time, like from my phone at work, using the company's like shipping and like all sorts of shit. I mean, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing and it didn't really work out very well. Like I, I got super overwhelmed. I knew how to like think up the parts, but I had no idea how to like design them. I was working with a machinist at the time and it didn't really work out very well. So you guys move in together, you get a place together, which is still romantic. Um, you're building cars together, match made in heaven. Well, we've been drifting together at this point, man. We like, we had like pretty crazy cars and we were drifting together and, you know, PNW, sort of a lot of people knew who we were. And were you drifting under the name, like under the pretense of like, you guys are Serial 9 at that point? Well, Kevin had yeah. huge, like, giant Serial 9 stickers on his car. Yeah, yeah, I had like four, four giant Serial 9 stickers okay. on my car. Yeah. At what point does Kevin make it official as like, fuck, cutting trees down? That's, that was when we got the shop. Oh, it was 2012 then. Um, yeah. But yeah, but before that, we were like making and shipping parts. I mean, we made the, the 161 like Aristo wide body breed fenders in our in garage. The, uh, garage at that house that we had. We were shipping orders, packaging, making shirts, made, uh, everything in the basement. Yeah, there's a subframe bushing video on, on YouTube that we filmed in that basement. <laughs> One thing to be like, I'm doing this for fun, but now it's like, this yeah. is my career and you're both going to do it. So what is the point? What There has to be that catalyst or, or that we just couldn't get it done. It's like, you know, you get home from work and like, you know, like how many hours do you have after work, after eating and like, and there's, there's not, there's nowhere open. You can't call anyone. You did not, you don't have the contacts anyway. You know what I mean? Like basically we were like, if we want to do this, we have to just commit to it and try and do it. 
Yeah. And you guys were already living together and at that, this point. And that's when we got the and yeah, and that's when we were like, well, if we're <laughs> gonna pay a rent, why don't we just pay rent on a shop and commit full time to doing this? I'm making this sound like the most romantic story. Well, and you guys were living together and <laughs> well, then you made it official. Well, it's, let's not forget the perfect timing <laughs> of me going to have a kid right when we start at the shop. All right. Uh, so you get into the shop. Finally makes sense. You don't want to do it part time. You're going to give it a go. So that's around 2012. Things start to like come together at that point. For yeah, now. we had a small product line. I mean, we started designing stuff for the 161 like we're really trying to promote that car so we built that formula d car alex lee's uh formula d car with rob parsons and and alex lee we all kind of collaborate on that thing and you know we had the subframe bushings the diff bushings uh some arms we had some angle kit we were doing a bunch of labor back then though yeah it was like but we our main thing was that we 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 had connections uh with an aero manufacturer so we were making you know we made the trunk and the wide body for the 161. And that was kind of, because we were already making Crescent of body kits at that time. We had uh, the Type 1 and I think the spoiler. That was pretty much it. Yeah. And then it went to the to the breed kit for the for the 16. And uh, so, but aside from that, so you've built, you've helped build like Formula D pro cars with Alex Lee. You've helped assemble and put together some like SEMA cars. That's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when we first started that shop, we were just, just getting anything we could do man we were we were like okay we're gonna be known for like sick air ride and then we we, we linked up with uh doxella jj through fluke i guess because like whoever was doing the build couldn't do it so then somehow somebody said hey these guys really know their shit we had built a bunch of really crazy like magazine cars when i had my shop so we did that and it, it took off uh it went really well and then yeah we just did labor through the parts company i learned literally everything under the sun to do with design and and uh you know cad and and all that other stuff and kevin learned on everything under the sun to like run a company and like yeah we thought we knew everything and we, we thought we were doing pretty good but like honestly it, it took really 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 long for for us to kind of like take off i mean i think if you listen to a lot of these interviews you kind of get the relationship dynamic i think i do now it's like gerard is essentially like a 40 something year old 20 year old at heart like that's just what it is and then kevin is the moderate every time i want to say something outrageous on this podcast kevin is the one that says something super like logical and i'm like well i can't fucking argue with that that makes way too much sense if i say anything else i'm being a dummy and then gerard's just always talking about street racing and i have to cut it out burnouts and stuff yeah i do burnouts Uh... So you've been doing this for a while, as we established, there's a slow burn. You guys each have like the thing that you've carved out that you do well. What are some of the key lessons that you've learned from like working in the automotive industry? Key takeaways. Hold your fucking horses. I won't. (laughs) Be patient. Uh... I don't know, man. Like, uh, I mean, I always say basically like, if you want, if you want something done right, ain't nobody going to do it but you. Like, I know that sounds stupid because like, it's always like, oh, delegate and do this and that. But it's like, the only person that can do it is you. Sponsorship, designing parts. I don't know, like organizing your company, making your company better, like shipping. You think that you can delegate those things and until you get a team that like really actually cares, you know, that does it exactly how you do it. Like nobody else can do it. 
We used to meet up with this guy at like Krispy Kreme to design some of the parts. This was way back in the day. I, you know, I'd have like a little drawing or I'd, I'd, I'd say, hey, like, okay, so we're going to make this knuckle, you know, steering knuckle thing or whatever. So I'd tell him and I'd give him some dimensions and stuff. And we would pay him like, I don't fucking know how much we paid him, man. But like, you know, and then we'd meet him a week later. And then because I had I no I idea. Know. I don't know if we ever paid him because like. <laughs> And I think it was Starbucks, but yeah, like why? No, it was Krispy Kreme, dude, in in, in Delta. I'm at, you guys yeah. gotta get it straight. <laughs> I remember anyway, one time we met at a Starbucks at Ironwood. That was the first time we met like, him. Clapped out vehicle. Yeah, that was the first and time like, we met him. Imagine you're like telling this dude, like, "All right, draw me a potato," and then he comes back and he's like, "Yo, man, check it out, super sick," and it's like fully a banana. A hundred percent, what it was. That's, that's when Gerard was just like, "Our oh, Jesus fucking Christ, it'd be easier just to do it myself." But I mean, I think I think one of the things that's like, okay, so Serial 9 is Serial 9 because there's always a certain style involved. Even with our products, you can kind of see that aesthetics are, are very, very important. Quality is important. Um, function is important. But I mean, that certain aesthetic, it's like we want to build super sick I mean, cars. That, and that kind of has to translate into like what our car is, you know? Yeah, it's like you're going to build this super sick car and you're going to put these arms on it, but they're going to look like either un- unfinished or like, I don't know, zinc plated, or they look like they're worth 20 bucks. Like nobody wants that. I mean, sure. People want to spend 20 bucks, but nobody wants to look like they spent 20 bucks. You don't want to spend like 800 bucks and like get some like mechano looking arms. Yeah, exactly. Some hexes on there. The look is important, but it also has to work. So are things like, you know, there's always innovation in the product. Like the adjusters like nobody wants to take their shit apart to adjust it so you know we developed like the in-situ adjuster and stuff like that or like i don't know just always kind of trying to push that envelope and i think as far as north american companies we're probably the front runner in making cars sort of like look fucked up like you know that camber scene or like you know stanced <laughs> out if you will or whatever i like, can make that your yeah. slogan yeah <laughs> make your car look fucked up but I mean, essentially, uh, that's what you're doing. You're taking a perfectly good yeah, car. I mean, honestly, that's what it felt like. That's what people were saying back when we were drifting like the the, the Cressidas uh, and we were going down to Washington a lot. It was like, holy shit, like these are super nice cars. And then you're like out there drifting with them. Right. But then also it was also crazy because like we had to like drive the four hours down there with with the cars in the first place and then drive back to so, yeah. struggle. But yeah, I mean, the struggle, you know, that's what makes it. That's what makes it real. Maybe the question isn't what advice would you give, but so what's the biggest where you're like, well, we shouldn't have fucking done that, but we did it. Like, what are the, what is that? I know hundred percent what my biggest mistake was. Doing this podcast. No, my biggest mistake was not admitting that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing sooner. Like, honestly, like I always, I just like grew up that way. I learned everything and I, you know, had no help or whatever. So I just always thought like, Hey, I know this, I know I can learn it. I know this better. But like, honestly, the turning point for our company was when we got help. Like we went to the BDC, which is the business development bank of Canada. And we got help. We got like, uh, courses, we got mentoring, we got, I don't know, Kevin chime in. I would say also we were unfocused in the beginning if we wanted to truly be a parts company we were trying to be like a super cool local shop that like had a like an awesome like chill lounge and like yeah we did all this all this labor that really really took tons and tons of time away from trying to grow the parts company design new parts ship orders that sort of stuff and then yeah it wasn't until we kind of like you know sat down and we're really like all right like what 
what do we want this business to really be? But yeah, I, I do agree that like the the mentorship or whatever has been instrumental. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna point this out just for my own pleasure. Gerard's yeah. first bit of advice was do it yourself. Do <laughs> it yourself. It, yeah, I know. And then it's As like, said, uh, but also ask for help too. and get mentorship. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I think that is a very stereotypical like car guy point of view on everything. And I think I was that way to some extent when I was much younger. The sense of, well, I can do this. I can figure it out. And it wasn't until I got older when I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's dudes that know way more about the thing that I want to have done than I do or could possibly know. It took me a long time to realize like different people specialize in different things and you have to like remove the ego. Oh, absolutely. I should rely more heavily on the people that actually know shit. And I should be willing to say, I probably don't know the most about this instead of like wasting a bunch of time. I'll just get people that know what they're doing to do it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't weld shit on any of my cars. Cause like, I mean, yeah, I can weld, but like, I mean, we literally have like one of the best welders ever that is sort of at our shop. So I'll just get him to do it. Cause it'll turn out so much better, get done so much faster and I'll just be so much happier with it. I don't really care for the satisfaction of like, Oh wow. I did everything myself on that thing. And that aspect, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you said, somebody knows, knows how to do something better. Like, I'd rather pay them to do it or get them to do it. One of my favorite memories from going to Chicago was walking by Ilya and he was like sitting cross-legged and there must have been like a group of people listening to Ilya talk. It was like Ilya was in session and was taking people to school. And I don't know if he still feels this way and maybe I'm paraphrasing or it was just a fever dream, but he literally said he's like, other people can work on your car. Working on your car isn't always a great thing to do. It's like you could be doing so many other things while someone while you're paying someone to fix your car. It's like you could be reading a book and making yourself be a better person if you just <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, that makes total sense. Like, why not go focus on your own craft instead of like trying to wiggle yeah. everything together and try to be all things? Because it yeah. never plays out very well. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing now with your line in the company. It's like, you know, we have employees now, we have all sorts of stuff and I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm passionate about and I know what I like to do. And that's what I, you know, that's not all the time, but that's basically what I do at the company. And I think Kevin sort of the same thing. I feel like this episode is kind of like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's like struggling a bit or something. I don't know. What do you well, guys it's think? Cause it's not, we're not having a disagreement about anything. You're telling this story. We're not. I, mean, I, I definitely argue. disagreed about the, the Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, that's the only. <laughs> that's where it was like the second or third time we met him. I was like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" As that's a cool. guy who's like listened to these all multiple times, yeah, and also know both of you, I have no concept of like the history of Serial Nine. Serial Nine is like Fight Club. You don't ask what Serial Nine is. I feel like <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I feel like maybe it should go. Is. <laughs> it should go just towards is. the like why did you guys start a car company? Like what, what, what part of it did you think was cool? Or like, why, you know what I mean? Like why? I mean, I feel like I already know the answer. I know, but I, nobody else fucking does. You said it in the last I episode. Mean, I just... <laughs> Which is what? 
it's both as like you love cars you're gonna find any way possible to be around yeah. cars yeah that's a whole I mean. drug you had a whole drug addict bit about how like you're like looking for it like a guy who's but that doesn't mean that's, that's not because that doesn't I, explain I, I, I was like, oh ryan cut that part out but then uh it's in it's not in that it's in the next no episode. i keep that part in because i laughed oh, hysterically okay. that episode brings me so much joy and that <laughs> sense of like like we let it go one time you're like i'm like an addict i have like you know what you got a 95 like a five percent chance of recovery yeah and that's me and i was like yeah all right and then finally you're like you know like the dude who's homeless scraping around the streets <laughs> looking and we're like kevin and i are finally like no gerard you can't yeah. make that analogy but the thing is is like none of the things that we're gonna do if we do this we can't have a conversation about it because like like i can't tell you that's not what serial nine's about let me tell you what i think serial nine's about i mean you could just challenge it be like why is that fucking cool why do you guys think but the thing well, is is i think it's cool so i can't challenge it i can't i be know like, but like well, you, but you're, fuck, you're, i also you're, don't think that like like you're you can be the voice of the people you can be the voice of like the the, if like, the people are listening to this they think serial nine is cool already like there's yeah, no you could, you could you could be like yo like you know like 161s are cool you know like i am the one that says one but we haven't said that they're think, not i don't cool think i don't think Altezes are the civics real drive real drive but i did that but that was a conversation of opinion that's not a conversation of you could be like yo why'd you paint your car that fucked up yellow color or like i don't even think it's a fucked up color though i know but, no, like, but that's the people thing. are like, probably wondering that nobody's uh, looking at I don't that know. car I think people like that color yeah i don't think anyone's looking it's... at that car and being like oh that's an ugly no no you got into onto uh motor mavens with that color right like nobody's thinking that like and i'm not gonna argue that because i don't even agree like i don't disagree with the idea that that's an ugly color but then it is gonna be a boring podcast because we're all just like stroking our dicks about how fucking cool we are i'm not even stroking about anything because i don't have a say i can't argue any of this stuff this could be the podcast right now is the fact that we're getting riled up that's the thing it's like we've already established we do this because Although we have like in broad strokes, we have the same idea of what's cool. Like I think serial nine is cool. You and I definitely have different opinions, you know. (laughs) I mean, I think it's pretty. It's pretty minimal. It's like we're talking about about like what a sick car is, or what do you mean? Yeah, or just like I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's like shit that I would do to my car that you would like never do to your car. Like yeah, no, absolutely for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's still minimal, you guys. Like the the difference between you like in this sense is like i'm actually the weird one in this but it's in the sense that you guys when we talk about stuff are so far out to just like well crowns are way like crowns are way fucking cooler than than altezas and i'm like oh i think altezas are pretty cool and it's like no they're not but it's like there's a (laughs) giant portion of the population that thinks altezas and is 300s are cool yeah, you two sure. aren't That's splitting hairs over that. That's just because they don't know. Yeah, I mean, you guys... They're ignorant. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's fair. The Altezza's dope. It's all right. Yeah. Well, now you're just agreeing with me because I'm all livid about it. No, I, I don't think they suck. I mean, I would just would never have one. I would probably have a Gita, but like that's only just because it's like a yeah. fucked up obscure version of like a normal ass car. And I guess for me, it's just like you're going to have a normal... A normal car that like everybody else has and it's like you could have the craziest alteza 
or the craziest IS, some other motherfucker's going to have a crazier one because there's like 800 motherfuckers with Altezas, whereas like there's like six dudes with Gitas. Well, maybe now there's like 50, but like there's like six dudes with Gitas. So like, but yeah. at what point do things become too much? Like, what is too much camber? What is too, you know, like, uh, I mean, it, it really depends on what you're going for, in my opinion. I mean, like, Kevin's had a car with like 20 degrees of camber in like 2015 or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, is it a grip setup? Is it a street setup? Is it a VIP setup? I don't know. Kevin? I had the like 20 degrees of camber on that car and it was like 17 on the front. Um, I had to run the tire pressures at like 70 so I could be confident that it wasn't going to blow off. I mean, I, I, you know, the car still did handle pretty good. I could still take corners pretty aggressively. I went 120 kilometers an hour on those. I drove down to Seattle and back, like drove around LA for like a whole week all over um yeah like you know it, it totally can be done you totally can drive that setup but you have to just pay a lot more attention you know like you you, you yeah you just have to be really cognizant of where you are how you're driving yeah your tire pressures like how your tire is doing all that sort of stuff the rim lift is literally like 10 millimeters off the actual concrete so like yeah like yeah every little bump or everything is, is accentuated so much more um, you could have used that if you said nine millimeters off the concrete <laughs> then it would have been solid and i mean yeah that's the thing is it's all it's all relative because i drove to california on on 10 degrees of camber like all the way to cali and back and it's like we didn't even know that that was possible back then i mean obviously anything's possible but i was like well i don't know if i'm gonna fucking blow up a tire at 100k or a thousand k or whatever the hell it is but like we monitored tire temps and we kind of checked it and we, we did a really, really, really good alignment before we went uh, to check, to make sure the toe was in check. And uh, yeah, I think Kevin's car had, or sorry, Eric's crown had like at least seven or eight degrees of camber as well. And uh, yeah, we yeah. just drove them. I think for me, the street setup, the optimal street setup is like six or seven degrees. If you want like, you know, like a stanced out kind of sick street car. Um, you can still do a lot of shit. You can still drive it and do burnouts. You can drift it around. Um, yeah, as long as your toe. Yeah. I had like negative six degrees of camber and I would, I would drift that thing all the time, but you would fully be on cords on the inside and be on a brand new tire on the outside. Yeah. So like, unless you took, you know, completely stopped halfway through and flipped the tire. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, you know, it, it depends what you're doing. Like if you're, you know, out there drifting the whole time, like, it's, <laughs> you know, you might want to try and take some of that camber out, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's always a trade-off, right? Like you have style and then you have, you know, function and then you have stupidity. So it's like, I mean, we've, we've done them all, you know, like, yeah, which was your favorite, the perfect triad, a little bit of function, a little bit of stupidity, but a whole lot of style. All right. Speaking of style, do you car show? Let's talk about car shows. So back in the day when I was in a Honda, I, I had the craziest Civic. It was, like I said, you know, windows out, wiring out. The whole thing was painted this beautiful green bronze color. Every aspect of that car was done except for audio. And I didn't have like, I don't know, foo-foo car mats and carpet and shit. It was gutted, but it was all painted. It had no audio. So I'd take it to shows. And I had like titanium bolts and like AN fittings and all the shit like nobody had at the time. And the thing would, wouldn't even get looked at. 
because it didn't have audio. And like these cars back then, you know, they'd have the like speakers in the fucking mirrors and like, you know, embroidered <laughs> parcel shelves and they would get like trophies. And I'm like, dude, like, do you even know what an eight millimeter titanium like fastener is that like I had to buy from like a motorcycle place? And like, I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. So I didn't do car shows for a while because that left a bad taste. In my you mouth. got mad that you weren't winning. Um, it's <laughs> funny. I believe the term you're looking for is ice in car entertainment yeah, is what yeah. they called it. Like, do you remember the crazy Alpine cars? They used to yeah, like, they had like the, the speakers in the middle and like they had a center seat and all sorts center of fucking, seat, yeah. everything was fiberglassed and airbrushed yeah. and had like yeah. mermaids on it or something. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is the pinnacle of import car culture. But I mean, uh, like, dude, I had, like, T-37s and, like, V-70A Kumo, like, R-Comps. And, like, dudes with, I don't know, ADRs or, like, I don't even know what kind of wheels were popular back then. But, like, nothing TSWs. that was... Yeah, like, TSWs with, like... Koenig Blatons. With, uh, like, what are those? Ling Longs or whatever would be winning shows. And I'm like, dude, like, you guys have no idea. Like, all the judges basically were idiots back then. But now, they know their shit, you know? Yeah, I, it sounds like if you were to take your Civic from then and put it into now times, they would do much better where they have categories. For best, the best period, correct. Honda. Best, best race inspired. There's a lot of awards <laughs> yeah. for everybody to win. Best Toyota I won. Yeah. yeah. Best all-around Toyota? Yeah, I won best Toyota Whoa. at Weekfest. I think it was just because it was like an actual all-around Toyota. Uh, Toyota, like it, it, it embodied a lot of things that maybe were like pretty unique and like, and it was a right-hand drive car that I drove there f- from Vancouver and was in Chicago like a month or two prior. I feel like a lot of the guys we know did pretty well at that show. Yeah, like Mitch won with his 100 for something. I think probably best drift car because that's what Mitch always wins oh it's 100 he must drift it uh and then I think Ian won something for his S13 and then I know Zap won something for his S15 that was a year earlier but yeah wasn't it, was that the year earlier no he didn't oh, he didn't come out that year but yeah the, oh. all those guys won I think the the Mitch Fleischer yeah. one was the same year as mine but I think Zap's was was a year earlier I'm trying to remember no you and I were there the same year I'm pretty sure I, I will here's the thing i was very high when i went <laughs> actually that was the same year yeah yeah yeah, yeah alex was, went. me and alex and jesse exner from regina went and i don't usually do drugs in that time i was like i will do drugs and then i was messed up and jack Connolly <laughs> measured the height of all the chassis yeah, wings yeah chassis jack wings. measured all the chassis wings uh all right so kevin Did you have a tape measure no, he just used his long, his elongated body as like a point yeah, of reference. No, that uh, yeah, that was an embarrassing time for me. Um, <laughs> so, Kevin, when did you stop car showing? I don't know. After I just did like a bunch of them, and it wasn't nearly as much fun as going to the drift events. So then I was like, well, I feel like this is an equally valid form of representation that I'd much rather be doing. So I started trying to convert my super crazy UFO car into a drift car. I remember that. And then that's when we were kind of developing the uh, CD triple nine shifter that kind of went hand in hand with that. And yeah, like the first time we like shifted it in like a moving car was on, on that car. Yeah. That's right there though. That's another thing. Like one thing that serial nine has kind of always been known for is like being sort of ahead (laughs) of the curve. Like, like he was, building a ucf 20 drift car fuck what year was that like we had a six-speed ucf 20 back in 2016 or something 
It feels like that was, yeah, it was probably five years ago. Yeah, 2016, yeah. Yeah, 2016. And I mean, like, unfortunately, the car, like, met its demise. But, like, but yeah, I mean, now it's, like, you could, there's actually a decent amount of LS400 drift cars. And, I mean, same thing with the, with the GS or the Aristo or whatever. Like, now they're, they're popping up literally everywhere. And I was like, whoa. Ahead so, of the curve. We do talk yeah, about yeah. that every time, but I'm fine with that. It's okay. And Cressidas. <laughs> Dude, Cressidas are still popping. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, they're look, popping I, more now than ever. I get it. Yeah. Your only fault, your biggest mistake isn't not listening to people or taking advice. It's being too he- ahead of the curve is the actual fault of Serial Line. Yeah. Biggest yeah, regret. You know what our problem is now? We we chose cars that people can't have. So now we, we know. <laughs> none of us knew JZX100s were going to be that expensive. Like, none of us knew that those chassis were going to get so expensive. They shouldn't have. We, now we Gerard has cars. an affordable chassis and... Kevin's poo pooed all over the IS 300 chassis, but I just so, want to know, like, what was the best car show you've ever been to? I don't know what the car show was called, but back in the day, uh, we took our FD that like one of the serial nine cars to this crazy car show in Seattle. Um, all the good shows were in Seattle back then. Cause like Vancouver was just like, had zero idea what the fuck they were doing. It was just like B boys and like, <laughs> I don't know, just stupid stuff. Anyways, yeah, it was at this like crazy airplane hangar thing on the water. And it was just so cool, man. And like when we went to Seattle, that was the first time that I saw cars that were actually dope. I was like, whoa, like I swear that like August Cascade, like CRX, like surfaced back then. That was like, and I saw like, anyways, some really crazy Hondas that were genuinely like really, 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 really well done. And I was like, whoa, this is what a car show should be like. And these are like actual nice cars. Up until the week fest ones, that was like the one that I was like, yo, that's a car show. I feel like Vancouver still is very much like we always go to Seattle for car shows. I don't, we have driven and there was driven to perform and there's all those (laughs) things and driven in its own right is very successful. And I think they organize a good show. I'll say that. That's when I started to realize for me though, I wasn't like a car show dude. Like I feel like I had the same epiphany maybe Kevin had, but not about so much like driving or drifting, but in the sense of like, I don't want to take photos of cars in a like in a warehouse right now. Like I want to go to a track and take photos of cars drifting. Dude, honestly, you got to give it to car show guys, man. They have like massive amounts of dedication and patience. I I cannot do it. Like even just to go yeah. to the car show and sit there for eight hours, man, not not a chance. Like man, I do yeah, it once I, a year because like I literally build the most like ridiculous like in your face car, but then like I'm getting gas and someone wants to talk to me about it, and I'm just like can you fuck off like but it's like of course he wants to talk to you your car's pink and has like a zebra seat and like the wheels are all slanted and like it doesn't make any sense and like the, the, the you know the seat's on the wrong side it's like you couldn't ask for more attention you couldn't want people to talk to you more like you know yeah, this like, guy sees your car yeah. as like a cry for help and you're like no i'm good yeah yeah like, um, don't talk to me yeah <laughs> i think there's a breaking point though of having to answer too many questions and then you're like all right i'm done <laughs> I'm always super uh, stoked. Always? There's never been a point when you're like, mm, I'm I'm done. Like, I could not do this anymore and be okay. I mean, uh, it depends, though. Yeah, I guess. If the, if the person knows anything about cars, then I'm usually generally a bit more receiving. But if they're just like, oh, sick, yeah, like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, is that a something, something? Which it obviously totally isn't. And you know that they're just kind of like... Yo, is they, that an they, M35 they... Stagia? 
<laughs> they just have no real like actual goal to talk to you they just want to say something because your car is fucked up or crazy uh then i'm just like yeah cool like peace but out what's like, your what's your breaking point for someone knows and doesn't know like how do you even gauge that <laughs> like well a, you ask them questions like i mean or the, or usually you could just tell right away by what you they're can saying just totally tell by what, what the question is about your car yeah, yeah i get that i mean yeah Somebody walks up and be like, yo, are those veil sides, bro? I'd be like, yo. No, I agree with you. Car show guys have a, a real sense of fortitude and a dedication to it. The things that I don't get about car shows for me is like, and I don't know, the sense of camaraderie doesn't seem the same in car shows. It all seems very like. Because you're not doing anything. There's no, yeah. there's no, uh, what's the word? Turmoil. There's no, like you didn't blow your motor up. You didn't fucking work eight. I mean, I guess some people do like, burn the midnight oil for four days in advance to a car show but like are you there just trying to get like the metal like win yeah like, you know and then i well, wonder I mean, about that well, like that that's all there is there and then you're just doing politics right like i've heard stories of dudes being oh, like yeah. well, my mod list totally. one last year and then i've added these three mods so therefore if you carry the one i should still win this year <laughs> why didn't you give me an award and it's like i've never seen a drift dude and maybe it's just the circles that I'm in. And maybe actually one time I have. But for the most part, I've never seen a drift dude get like super uh, like riled up about not winning the drift comp. Yeah, because you look like a super fucking buttered. douche. Yeah. You look like an yeah. idiot. And everyone's just going to be like. So does, so does the car show, dude. But I mean, like. But I mean, but to, I don't want to sound like whatever, like, but like that. I was going to say, to me, the thing with the drifting is at least you, you could be still having fun and not win. With yeah, the car yeah. show, like, what is the fun? Sitting in a fucking lawn chair for eight hours in the I mean, baking hot sun? <laughs> like, no, okay, that's not fun. Yeah, that part of it's not fun, but, like, seeing the people that you don't see all the time. I mean, yeah, there is that camaraderie yeah, where it's like, yeah, no. we're going to Seattle. We're going to meet up with these guys. We're going to, you know, eat at mm -hmm. Cheesecake Factory or whatever it may be. <laughs> that's kind of yeah, sick. No, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I do like the experience <laughs> of, of the journey and yeah. all that. But I do but agree none of with that's you. at the car show. Once you've gone to the car show and you've <laughs> talked to those people for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, and it's like, like, what do you, yeah, what do you do there for eight hours? But I mean, I guess honestly, we just bounce and we go eat and we go do this and that. But it's like, I do like talking to people about my car, but like, I don't know how much I want to sit there for eight hours, talk to people about my car. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But all, yeah, like you said, it depends on the quality of the show. Like, if you're at this dope show and all the people there are like asking you like engaging questions and are, are you yeah. know what I mean? like then, then it's obviously totally fine to be there. But yeah, if you know, I've been to a car show where literally it's like you're just sitting there baking in the sun. The only people who are there are basically the people whose cars are there. Nobody's walking around because it's so hot and they don't want to leave their like tiny little pop up tent of shade. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like it's like, you know, but nobody's having fun in my world. The other aspect too is we have a company and our cars are basically showcases for our products. So it's like, you know, for us, it's a bit, I mean, for me anyways, I'm sure for Kevin back then too, it's like, there is some sort of obligation. If you're bringing a serial line car to a car show that you should talk to the most people that you can to tell them about all the serial line parts. They're like, yo, how do you have 20 degrees of camber? Well, the serial triple nine front upper arm coupled with, you know, the lower control arm, blah, blah, blah. Like, and then, you know, you're selling parts and that's, that's why we should go to car shows too. But at the same time, it's like, 
I don't really enjoy doing that. If I could pay someone 15 bucks an hour to sit there and talk about my car, that I'd probably do that and just show up once in a while and be like, yeah, yeah, that's my car. Like talk to the main people that like, literally in the last breath, you were like, I love talking about my car. I just enjoy talking to people about my car, but not for eight hours, man. Yeah. Yeah. not for eight hours is a cutoff point i guess if i could uh, be picky and choosy who i would talk to because obviously right. in that eight hours there's going to be a bunch of fucking people that are like yo like is this a gs uh like fucking did you swap it it's like bro it's a fucking wrist though yo man how'd you get the steering wheel on the other side <laughs> yo, i like that gerard's pitch for this is that he needs to have like people do a prelim Everything interview for him, <laughs> yeah, yeah basically yeah, it's like okay gerard so is a this- king Dude answers like four questions. Like if he asks four really good questions, let yeah, him come then back we can and talk, talk to me. To me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I just sit on this like it. throne chair in the No, back. then he only gets to talk to the next level of serial yeah. representative. Oh, There's like man. nine levels before you get to talk. Drudge <laughs> the ninth level. Oh, good. I'm glad that's it. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask each person a question that they consider good enough to ask to, so you can ask <laughs> the next person a question. Fucking like the riddle to get across the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And now you've reached the king. Yeah. What questions do you have for the king? Here you People's... get a Art Deco crew neck. I've bestowed it upon you. Yeah, and then you kick him off like Leonidas. Yeah, I, I would, I'd like to build a street car that was like a show-ish winner type car. Which then brings us back to the sense of what Serial 9 is. Because in both all these instances, you've never, you guys haven't described a car that is like just built to drift, right? Like there's a sense nope. that you have to weigh style with function. Yeah, it's a rolling car show. It's a rolling, yeah. yeah. I mean, whoever coined that probably could run some really cool events. Yeah, uh, life is life's a rolling car show, bro. Ten I mean, seconds at a get, time. How you how you get that butterfly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean. Okay, so Kevin, what's a serial nine car? Why 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 do you have a weird fucking drift car that has camber? Why do you have camber on your drift car, man? Because uh, my wheels are too big, and I need to fit them. Um. Uh, yeah, just because it looks sick, I love it. I don't know. Um, why yeah. didn't you have fifteens? Uh, why didn't I have fifteens? What do you mean? On your X seven? Uh, because it was going to be too much work and too much camber, and I thought it would just like blow the doors off. And oh, well, that was my fifteens. Yeah, yeah, you had um, the craziest fifteens ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah, like I just. I didn't want that look. I wanted a more modern, updated look and something it, that was like a bit cooler. And it was also kind of sick because we fully serial nine that. Like, like we still to this day have people ask us, like, oh, how'd you get a five bolt rear on the X7? It's like, well, <laughs> we, like, we just did it. We like made all the shit and got it machined. And so we had five bolt on the back of an X7, which like yeah, to this bolt, day yeah, is like not attainable. I thought we were gonna go into like an in-depth, like how did you do it? And you're just we just did it. We just I, did it. We just did it. Fucking <laughs> bippity buffity boop. Five yeah, bucks. Basically. Um, yeah, exactly. That's great. That's okay. Uh, so 
No, you got to talk about why why I had a fucking seven thousand dollar transmission in my X eight. All right, hey Gerard, why did you have a seven thousand dollar transmission in your X eight? Those were fucking serial nine, man, and like I don't know, that shit's cool. He had a HKS clutch and like a Getrag tranny in like this pile of shit four hundred dollar X eight that eventually and was and it really wasn't cool. worth thousand dollars then. Yeah, it definitely wasn't worth seven grand back then. Yeah. Yeah. How much was it worth back then? Uh, one Civic engine swap. <laughs> Probably like, yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't even know, man. Yeah, I think to me it was equivalent to about two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. I got it with a two J, and I never liked two Js, so I sold the two J and got the tranny for free. Like I got a whole fucking setup for like two grand ish worth of labor. For a guy who doesn't like two Js, you've <laughs> got a two J now. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Maybe I should be the dude who pays $15 an hour to sit around at car shows. You want to talk to the king? The nine thing is like the car always just has to be a bit more than like even the Cressida had staggered. It had 18, 19 stagger, you know, and like that was even fucking weird back then, you know. And then Kevin's car had 18 inch, you know, 18 inch chrome wheels on an X7. People are like, what's up with that? Like, why is it? Why don't you have 15s or like, you know? I feel it's fairly well received, but you know. The thing too, like Kevin's car at the time, the Celsius, it's like, yeah, it was like the most, the craziest. Like we'd look at Japan and be like, yo, like they're doing some, some crazy things. And uh, those were our influences. And then Kevin's like, yo, I'm going to build that. And we're like, okay, let's build it. All right. Here's my, I'm going to switch yeah. gears a little bit because I want to know this. I want to know the jankiest thing you've ever had to do. Uh, I mean, I've made a oh, I know. printing belt out of a zip tie. No, a whole bunch, know, of, bunch zip of zip ties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was janky. It worked, How? actually. I so didn't the think the alternator that would work enough to yeah, get me to where I needed to be. Yeah, How never. far did you have to go? From Surrey to Richmond. <laughs> That's far like as fuck. A pretty decent, mate. say, like 15 miles. But yeah. All right, Gerard, what's your... Scariest? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it ties in with the like craziest. But so... I had, you know, we went to this drift event. I was up the night before, like I had to switch a few valves, like change my head gasket. I built a new drain line because uh, I had this highly specialized turbo setup with all these AN fittings and this drain line that like went between the manifold runners. I never had an issue with it before, but I was like, oh, I'm going to do this preventative maintenance and build a new one. Uh, so at that event, it actually caught fire. Uh, and then, so we had to fix the car we were in some parking lot in the middle of the night and like we were going to try to fix it, like go home and fix it. Or like, I don't know, we were at a race event. I thought anybody would have dash 12, like AN line, but apparently nobody did. Anyway, so Eric kind of tries to Mickey Mouse it and like flip it around. It was already burnt, but like we thought we could, as long as it would drain in, like as long as it would drain the turbo into the pan in some sort of way and not be blocked, it would be fine. Um, so Kevin's sleeping. And then Eric had stayed up all night fixing this thing. And he's like, yo, it's done. And then we're like, okay, cool. So I hop in my car. We hadn't tested or anything. And then everyone's driving. And then in typical, like, <laughs> Eric fashion, he, like, fucking drives away so fast. And I'm, like, in my car. It's completely pitch black because we're in the middle of nowhere, Washington. And then my car just starts smoking. And it's like, I'm like, I don't know if it's on fire. I don't know, like, where the smoke's coming from. I can't call these dudes because like they're so far away and like 
I was like, man, they like fully left me and like my car is going to burn to the ground. And like, I, I didn't even have a fire extinguisher at this point. And I was just like, man, I'm like, this is fucked. And then, so I'm honking and I'm trying to phone them and do everything. And then uh, sure enough, I just pulled over. And then I think they just came back like 10 or 15 minutes later. And so at that point, how do you resolve that situation? Well, that would go into the craziest story. <laughs> well, what's the, let's do it. We were already halfway there. Well, I mean, this was probably, I don't know, was it like two to four in the morning at this point? And like, we were just exhausted. And then we're like, and where are you? Sorry. Just oh, man. We had left PGP. Yeah. We, like we had both had issues with our car. Um, yeah. You broke a tensioner or something like that. Yeah. My tensioner, like serpentine tensioner, like seized up. But then like someone gave me one. They like drove back to their house where they had one and brought it back and I, we put it on. So then we went to like Denny's and then we were like, all right, well, let's just get a hotel room. Like when we'll figure it out. And Eric was just like, no, no, we'll, we can fix it. We'll fix it after Denny's. So I was like, no, I'm going to sleep. So I slept. They fixed it. Obviously not. I slept too. Like Kevin slept <laughs> oh, yeah. on the ground. I was sleeping in the car that Eric was working on. <laughs> yeah. So then basically uh, we were like, well, shit. Uh, Gerard has the parts at home. Like, I guess yeah. the easiest solution because it was like Sunday. There's no parts. Yeah, nothing's open. open. Like, you're not going to get like a dash 12 and braided and line out of Pet Boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> O'Reilly's. Yeah. So we just basically drove the car, limped the car to like some sort of parking lot. I don't know if it was a college or a fucking company, corporate company. I don't know. It was a big parking lot. We left the car there, but I didn't want to leave the car there because we had no idea where we were, if it was like safe or not. So then Eric had to stay with the car. Well, my car oh. also had a cage in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a fully caged car at that point. Yeah. So he couldn't really come with us anyway. So like I, <clears throat> I just drove as fast as I could all the way back to the border and then to yeah. Gerard's house. To pick up my daily X8 and then make a new line so then we did that and then we drove and then we had to drive right back all the way it was at least an hour and a half uh over the border so the funniest thing was we're at the border and kevin's like passed the fuck out uh we're in the border lineup and then this guard is coming up and i'm like nudging kevin i'm like yo like wake up wake up wake up and then like we both fully just looked like crackheads at this point because we haven't slept and like yeah we've driven we didn't sleep the night before we didn't sleep that night at all really like yeah an hour or two in like a chevron parking lot while eric's working like yeah so this guard this border guard just like knocks on my window i roll down the window and kevin's just like and he's like what's up with you guys like where are you going and i was like dude i don't know (laughs) yeah the border guard's like where are you guys going and Gerard's like uh i don't even know man like (laughs) (laughs) and then sure enough he's like what are you doing and then he's like what do you do and he's like arborist and the guy's like what because Kevin, you know, tree work, arborist. And then obviously, like, not everybody knows what that is. It's not like a common word, yeah. He's like, I'm an arborist. And he's like, what? What the, what the fuck is that? And he just started, you know, and we're freaking out. And he's asking us all these questions. And, like, sure enough, it was fine. But, like, yeah, we just looked like, I don't know, junkies trying to run drugs over the fucking border or something. Luckily, it was, like, a nice X8. It was totally stock. Like, white, clean. Like, you know, it was a respectable car. It didn't look like a pile of crap. Like, even once we were across the border, it was, like, close to two hour drive then we yeah. had to get there like take the turbo off of the exhaust manifold like put the new turbo drain on put everything yeah. back together yeah and yeah. like you know make sure it runs properly 
and, and then drive from south of Seattle <laughs> all the way back on Sunday night. Yeah, like waiting like, in the border lineup. It was literally oh, like a 48-hour like drift or vent ordeal or like even more. Like, yeah, that setup was very extra. It was, it was super elaborate. Like everything was custom. Everything was one-off. Everything was like like race car. It, it was pretty cool, but you know, at the same time, not anything was nothing was like really replaceable uh, that easily. Like the radiator was custom made, the surge tank was custom made, every fitting was AN fitting, and like, yeah, it was it was really cool. But takes us back to like when you built a Civic and it was wasted on people and car shows. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's the I, same mentality of of that. And the, the crazy thing is now I don't even build cars like that anymore because I just. Maybe I just don't really care. I just want the thing to work. And like, if I need to fix it, it's just like take another standard part off somewhere else and put it on. But I'm also going to get you to just pump the brakes on that. It's like, oh, I don't build. And it's like, no, it's evolved. Because as we've talked about over the series, you built an Aristo, which is not the most common drift chassis. And now your new drift chassis, mm-hmm. although yes, it's comparable with 350Z or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's still not that you're building a stadia. And I yeah. think that still fits into the, like the idea that like you don't do the like most common thing possible. Yeah. I mean, I think you've learned from your mistakes of like, man, maybe the parts that make the car run should be interchangeable, but like what I should be totally wild about is the aesthetic. But this part needs to work right now is probably the best representation of what serial nine is the cars are a reflection of the business that you run it's like they're wild but they work yeah it's the same thing with the parts is it like you said in the beginning so what did we learn today uh i feel like you guys didn't learn anything i learned a lot i don't even know what you're talking about the whole fucking time just a whole bunch of tell us what you learned i feel like i've said what i've learned is that the sense of uh Serial 9 is a experiment in learning lessons along the way and, and like <laughs> getting to the point where it works. That sounds pretty shitty. Yeah. It does, well, but that's Way the thing though. Is that box, shitty though? Like, but you're saying like out of the box, like, yeah, you thought you had to figure it out, but then you didn't. There's a lot of people along the way that'd be like, well, this isn't for me. And like, I should like, oh, I should go back to being an arborist. I should go back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's because we're just too stubborn. That's or too addicted. Of, are you exactly? A huge part of Serial 9 too. It's just like, someone's just like, no, you can't do that. That's stupid. And you're just like, yeah, well, fuck you. Like, you want to see? Well, people have blatantly told us that this business model doesn't work. But I mean, I feel like we're relatively successful. I don't know. How long have we known each other for? five months five years three months <laughs> that's fair Kevin. Uh, let me, let me uh, five years five eh, five years let's say um i'm always blown away by the fact that like there's uh, uh two guys who have started a company and managed to make a go out of it in the automotive world about something that they're passionate about it seems like a rare thing in uh canadian automotive culture to have something like Serial 9 exist. And so that always, always blows me away. Anyway, all right, let's do a sign-off, you guys. Good night, everyone. It might not be night when they're listening to it, though. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. So long and farewell. See you guys.
for listening to Serial Podcast 9.